So the question that we want to deal with today is how do communities facilitate transformation? Hello and welcome again to another episode in our teaching series that we've titled A Band of Disciples, A Band of Disciples. And this entire series uh, hopes and, uh, and intends to assist you in becoming a better discipler, someone that walks alongside uh, you know, followers of Jesus and helps them on their journey of uh, development and transformation into the likeness of Jesus, and uh, through this uh, metaphor of of a band, we're trying to look at the context of discipling being the discipling community. We're trying to suggest that people don't necessarily develop all on their own the type of person that they could become in Christ. They need a community. We looked at the biblical grounding for that. We looked at different uh, learning theories that suggest that learning and development in community is, is, is the main uh, vehicle for transformation. And uh, we've been looking at the journey of transformation within a community. How do individuals uh, develop really? What are some of the practical things that we can look at if we're going to assist people to develop? And uh, today we're going to take it uh, to the next level and try to assist you to see that model of transformation in the context of community. So we talked about how individuals are transformed, uh, the process of their transformation. I now want to share with you how the community assists with that. And in our own ministry, uh, particularly in helping communities of disciples and disciples to multiply, uh, we have a goal. And the goal comes from a deep conviction uh, that communities are places for uh, Jesus-like transformation. Uh, so we tell uh, every COD member and our team, uh, our, our leaders share with every new COD member and participant that our goal in those groups is to grow to be more like Jesus, that's being a disciple, but also to be a discipler, to multiply so that you be transformed and to help other people uh, in their journey of transformation. Uh, but after uh, potentially, um, you know, a year and a half or so of, of being part of, of these smaller communities, um, I, it dawned on me that I look at some individuals and some uh, com uh, communities of disciples and I see obvious, evident change and transformation. I hear stories uh, of, of people who have, uh, you know, come fresh and green and, and, and they've engaged with practices, they committed to a cause, a purpose of becoming more like Jesus and they actually uh, engaging with their community in a transparent way and they're going out of their way to multiply. And I, 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 I had a uh, a moment of, I, I wish I could say a moment of revelation. It was a bad revelation. It's like, how come some groups uh, are helpful for transformations and other people don't seem to 
ever get ahead and some in my own cod uh, groups and I'm like is it me I don't know about you as a disciple but sometimes I always point the finger uh, backward there and say I think I'm doing something wrong. I, I look at other disciples around me and they just, they, they're kicking goals. What, what's wrong with me? So I, I took my matter with my wife, Susie, and I said, I, I want to know what makes some members in CODs exactly the same environment that's supposedly transformative? How come some of them grow, develop, and multiply and others don't? Is there a secret? And I wish I could have said it with a laugh. I probably was annoying. I probably was irritated. Uh, I probably was, you know, horrible to be around uh, for some time. But I was agonizing. It's like, I thought we found something that works. How come it's working with a lot of people, but it's also not working with some people who participated in a passionate group of loving people but they remained exactly the same thereafter. So the question that we want to deal with today is how do communities facilitate transformation? Like really, how do communities facilitate transformation? Is it by luck? Is it by chance? Is it that those members in these groups that we throw, that, that you know we brag about, were they special type of people that were going to grow anyway? Did the community actually assist at all? And I want to say to you that I believe communities can help with if they have various things in them. And we mentioned some uh, uh, you know, strategies from, uh, from communities of practice. Generally, I want now to be specific about disciples and what we do to see transformation in that way. We want to facilitate an environment where people can see themselves in the mirror, where people can see their future in the group, where people immerse themselves in Jesus-like practices and where people together get to understand God-honoring meaning to their experiences. So I'm going to go through each of those things and elaborate on it a little bit, but I want to show you from one of my favorite pieces of scripture that this is not made up. Uh, whilst it's come from a, a bit of agonizing and a bit of researching, but uh, as we look at the scripture, we'll find that it's always been there. It's just sometimes it's hard to conceptualize. So I want to share with you uh, a long passage from Ephesians chapter 4 from verses uh, 11, and we're going to look at each one of those critical elements for transformation in a group. Number one, uh, we're going to look at uh, what Paul says, that Sir Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is, in a nutshell, everything that is relevant to the journey of discipling. People are equipped so that they can disciple others, and as we disciple others, we build the body of Christ, 
What are we building it towards? We're building it towards maturity so that they can become mature. The ultimate purpose of our discipling endeavor in groups is that people are built up. Like we assist in the building up of their identity in the building up of being a certain type of person. What type of person? A mature person. What does that mean? Being a Jesus-like person because he's the ultimate image of God that we could ever imagine. And he embodied that image to us in flesh and blood. So we are in the process of building others up so that we can see the whole body, each member. And obviously if the body is growing, each member is growing, right? That's why we talked about the idea that we cannot grow alone. The whole growth of one member is associated with the growth of the body, right? So uh, here he's given us the, the, the ultimate dream from the start. And Paul keeps going from verse 15 and says, For him, the whole body, that's all of us, joined and held together, how? By every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Paul is making it utterly clear that the purpose is the body is built up. All of us are built up. We built up towards maturity. That is Christ-likeness to look and smell and, and behave uh, like Christ. And we can achieve that as we all play a part. Can you see? Each part must do its work so that the body can grow and build itself up in love. You can't do it alone as a lone ranger. It happens as each body member participate. And this is the first two points that I want to bring to your attention, that a group that makes a difference and builds itself up towards maturity is a group, is a body of uh, believers that show each other who they are and shows each other what the future look like. So the concept of Paul calling the Christians the body of Christ, he's saying you can understand who you are as you look at the body. The body tells me, tells every member who they are. This thing is only a hand because it's in the context of that body. <laughs> You see, every body part knows what it is. It's the hand of Peter because it's connected to the body. The body is almost the mirror that shows every member who they are. And as we engage with Jesus-like people, as we engage in a group, if we want to help people uh, uh, grow and develop and be like, they need to see who they are. They need to see that, hey, I'm a body of Christ. I'm a member of, of I, I, I have the DNA of Jesus. I, I have divine capabilities. I, I'm not just a finger thing. I, you know, I'm part of something big. And begin to see yourself in context. See yourself differently. And that's the identity. That gives me my nature. This hand could have been a hand of a monkey. But because the hand is associated with this body, maybe it's still a hand of a monkey. But we associate it with me. It gets its identity to me because of that context. It's showing its human capability because it's connected to a human body. And the same thing happens for every Christian 
in a group. They need to see. They need to see who they are in context of the body. The second thing that we learned in that passage is the future. Okay, so many people make a decision to follow Jesus. You're probably familiar with some of them. Some, you know, they were so determined and deliberate, hardworking and, and connected that they thrived. Others, they just still scratching their heads. Like, what, am I sin- what am I meant to do now? Like, okay, I, I, I became a Christian and I became a Christian and, and w- w- what's next? Like, okay, I read the Bible. Okay, well, what's next? I, I, I do more activities. What's next? Um, you know, it's confusing. But we also need to show people the future. And what's the future? The mature body of Christ. The future is you're going to look like Jesus. You don't just have the potential as a, as a member of Jesus' body, but you have the destiny. You have the potential to be like Jesus in his attitude towards other, others, in his intimacy with God, in his, in his uh, incredible dignity and humility, in his inner life, his perseverance and self-control, and in his influence in the world. You get to understand that you could become like that. It becomes almost like a storyboard of your movie, of your life, where, oh man, I could look like that. So a group that's effective for transformation needs to highlight who the person is already, their, their capabilities and attributes in potential already on the inside of them because they're united to Christ and they can see that in the context of us being a body, but also they need to see their future as little Jesuses in the world. Because as they look in the, in the mirror, they could either see uh, themselves as sinful people that have no hope, or they see themselves as the potential to live like Jesus in the world. Look at what Paul instructs the Ephesians in, cha- in chapter 4 and verses 15 to 17. He continues and says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. I want to highlight to you First, there's two things I want to highlight to you. First, Paul's language of insisting. He says, I tell you this and insist on it. And then he goes on and says, you must. Can you see how serious he is about those things? And we notice that in order to be mature, in order to grow, and to become in every respect that mature Jesus-like person, he gives at least three simple instructions. Almost like three ways of doing life. It says, speaking the truth, no longer living your old way, the the way of the Gentiles, and not thinking your old way. So speaking, living, and thinking. Speaking, doing, and thinking. That's basically a summary of life. So we see for the community to help people in their process of transformation, we need to have practices, which Paul insists on it. You know, we, we've come at a, at a stage now where anything goes. You know, you don't want to spend time with God. That doesn't matter. You know, it's, 
It's all fine. Uh, you, you, you don't want to, uh, you know, live selflessly for Jesus. Yeah, don't worry. You're going to heaven anyway. Oh, you, you don't want to live humbly. You know what? It's okay. You know, it's, it's fine. One day it, it will be okay. You're going to meet Jesus in heaven and he's going to make you humble. Like, seriously, we have no assertions about anything. We've worked on what Jesus has given us, but we are steering away of the of the commands that are filled in the scripture to live that type of life. There is our uh, genuine identity, what we already have, but then there is encouragement to live in alignment to that. So there are practices that reflect that the new life, the life of Jesus, that's different from the old life, the way you used to live and the way you used to speak and the way you used to think. So we see uh, the, the effective groups, they show a mirror of who the person is. They show the future of who, who the person can become. And they also insist <laughs> in the best possible way on some Jesus-like practices that we immerse in. Because the more we immerse in a practice, we become that. You think a lot about a particular industry, you'll be so sold out to that industry, whatever the industry might be. And then the last thing I want to show you in Ephesians 4 again and verses 4 to 24, Paul continues his instructions and he says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is, his, that, that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and he keeps going. Notice here that Paul is saying, you are instructed in a particular way. You have been given particular truth. You now align yourself to different principles and norms. Literally, he's giving them a lens through which to see life. He's giving them a lens through which to interpret experiences. He's giving them a lens to clarify for them meaning. The reality is there is a different way of meaning that we capture in a community of Jesus-like disciples. So, uh, you know, if in a particular group, let me give you a, a silly example. In a particular group of, of people who are really, you know, desperate to, to make it big in the business world, there are some practices in that particular group that are applauded. Uh, for example, uh, you know, we're stretching your imagination here. Somebody might say, you know, I'm going to leave my family behind. I'm going to work 14-hour days because I'm trying to build this empire. Or I'm going to leave my family behind. I'm going to go, um, you know, overseas or wherever because I am trying to build this capital so that I can invest here or there. Or I might just be a little bit um, not so strict with my taxes. Or I might not necessarily uh, pay, uh, you know, the, the workers the exact, uh, you know, wages that they need until they figure out that they're not being paid appropriately, whatever it might be. Those practices have a meaning associated to them in that particular group. That meaning is you're shrewd. 
Oh man, you're a you're a smart person, uh, business person. Oh mate, you're frugal with money. You're you're clever. You're building yourself a future. Oh man, you're setting your priorities right. You know, you forget it. You know, your kids will wait and will come when you come back, but they're gonna be glad they've been able to to create this wealth for them to enjoy. I guess once you're dead. Uh, but, but the reality is, whatever we do has a meaning in that context. If you bring the exact experiences and activities in a Jesus-like environment, it might have a different color meaning. It might be interpreted different. You know what? I know that you're trying to look after your family by, by providing for their needs even way after you pass but is, is that how, uh, you know, your kids would appreciate your care? Is that the expression of your love uh, to them? Uh, would they prefer you and your time or they prefer your money? Uh, maybe uh, mucking around with the taxes is maybe not very shrewd. It might be actually stealing. You, you know, different meanings are associated to different things because they're different norms. And that's what a community does. When we interact together and share our experiences, we hear what other people interpret different things and we say, oh, oh I, I never knew that that's a problem. You see, we in, in our environment, in our community of our Gen J people, we are so serious about wholehearted Christianity. That's how we talk. That's how we interpret experiences. But you might go to a different Christian environment or whatever religious environment and say, you're a freak, man. You're, you're fanatical. You're, you're just being too serious. Just cheer out, cheer up in uh, the grace of God gives us everything freely. We can live whatever way we like because the grace of God covers us and we're going to go to heaven anyway regardless how we live. We, we, we have a different meaning even in the same industry but in different, uh, different groups give different meaning to things based on the norm that they uplift and the lens that they see life through. So how do communities help? They help through a mirror. They help through the future. They help through practices. And they help by providing meaning through the teaching that they do, the truth that they engage in and they discover together, just as Paul said to the Ephesians. So here is the four things in different words that encompass, that envelope your transformational experience and the disciples that you uh, engage with and care for. This might blow your mind. The first thing about the community that we engage in, whether it's a discipling community or people's families or neighborhoods or the subculture to which they value and belong, whatever groups that they're part of, we're never part of one group only, you know that. Uh, but, but whatever group that we value has Four different things that they teach us. Number one, they are mirrors to tell us who we are. Any group in a family, you adopt uh, that, 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 that view of yourself. Uh, you know, I remember my late mom, when she was alive, she made me think that I'm humorous. Uh, you know, she made me think that by nature, I'm a joker because I would just say the dumbest comments and uh, my poor mom would crack up laughing. I think she, she, she just, uh, you know, she viewed me in such a way that made me think I'm like that. And communities do that. If you accept someone in a community, guess what? They begin to see themselves as worthy of love and acceptance. If you reject them or if only compliment them when they perform beyond, you know, <laughs> expectations, they think, 
I'm a machine, man. Oh, yeah, I'm good at machine. You know, I perform my way into people's good books. I'm, a, I'm as good as just the sum of my activity or the, or the sum total of my performance. You know, I better act properly. <laughs> so everyone in a community decides to, for them to, to, to show them who they are. And our significant others, in particular as children, Lift up a mirror to tell us, this is your nature. This is who you are in raw form. <laughs> you may develop that over time, but that's who you are. A community also shows us our future. This is what you could become. I was listening to a preacher uh, just a week ago who shared his experiences with his family that, they, that he saw in them incredible joy and incredible determination to bring glory to God. And his whole vision of himself as a young kid moving into a theological seminary and as a preacher, he, he viewed himself as a person that's going to enjoy God and glorify God. And that was a future that was set before his eyes by his family, his community. So the way we live our lives, the way we discuss things, and I'll come to that later as we talk about our community of disciples, we are showing people what they can be. Just like Jesus in his biography, in his life, he showed us what we can be. He didn't send us a book in the mail. This is what the image of God looks like. 1 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, 1.28. 1 no, he says, hey, you want to know what the image of God look like, which is you, because you created according to the image of God. Well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you a movie of my life. And that helps you to see what you can become. A group needs to do that by its group members. And that's why I'm going to talk about later on that if all we do is just theological conversations, we tell people the best future is that you be a theologian. <laughs> if all we talk about is missionary, missionary, the, the, the only thing that you think about is being a missionary as the ultimate dream. When all of these things are hidden in that bigger picture of being a Jesus-like person, that's our future. The third thing is the practices I explain over and over. When a, a community does things in a particular way, that becomes our way of doing things. That's why some families are incredibly generous and their kids become generous because that's the practice that they do. Other families are, are stingy and, and they're very careful with every dollar that they spend on themselves or on others. And, and guess what? The children become like that. That becomes the culture of doing things. Some families are, are loose with their words they swear you know we, even young kids start swearing the worst possible words while other other families are very circumspect with their language some families are musical they always doing things that are musically without you know um, embarrassing anybody or forcing anyone the kids sometimes love that lifestyle and so on and so forth the last thing as I shared before a group is going to help people with norms so that they can know, derive meaning and standards for their life. So in a nutshell, our trajectories that we show in the group impacts people's desires. Our practices impact people's experiences. Our mirrors impacts our disciples' nature how they see themselves. Our norms impact our disciples' reflective 
practice. So the transformation circle then, that every transformation is within it, is a community or a, a, a merge of different networks of communities that form our trajectories, our mirrors, our practices, and our norms. So our desire and our experience, our nature and our reflection, they all impacted by the communities that we're part of. Didn't I tell you? Didn't Jesus tell you? Didn't uh, New Testament teaching tell you? Didn't uh, uh, all educators in a social learning context assure you that a community makes a ridiculous difference in the life of the people that you're serving, caring for, developing? Because a community sets the scene for the cycle of the transformation. I pray this blesses your heart because it has blessed our heart and we have seen incredible transformation. People that were Christians and godly and living, you know, serving in the church, they became part of uh, this community of Jesus-like disciples and their practice changed. I promise you, their prayers changed. Their focus and their energy and their sacrifices changed. They knew people, they already multiplied. And I wish I have the opportunity to share with you some of their uh, experiences of multiplying people who are being transformed. Even non-Christians are being transformed in, in profound ways in such short time. Not always in an upper trajectory, but in the cycle of transformation of learning. And I pray for you. I pray for our team. I pray for your team that we all engage in communities like Jesus created communities that will help with the transformation of people. In the next session, we're going to look at one major, major thing in a community that can make or break that community. Do you know what it is? Well, I'll let you know in our next episode. Thank you so much for being with us. God bless you. Looking forward to seeing you again.